You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Get fired up. Oh, yeah. Performance enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh, heck yeah. Performance enhancing audio back in your ear hole. It is the SOC coming at you. Uh, how about a little bonus MMA today? I know what you're thinking. A lot of Boxeo fans. BC, you're letting us down. Rafe Bartholomew and I will be back this week. And we'll be back with a bang, folks. Okay, so believe that. But uh, UFC 252 this Saturday, just too big of an event. Too big of a fight. DC, Stipe, three. Uh, not to, not to get a little bit deeper. I know you heard Rashad Evans and myself break it down on our MMA edition on Tuesday. Now we have that teased and promised interview pod coming at you. Who do we got? We got Marlon Cheeto Vera, who's going to be in the main event. Sorry, the co-main event of this Saturday's pay-per-view against rising star Sugar Sean O'Malley. Uh, Cheeto's going to, you know, he's going to break that, uh, that fourth wall of profanity many times and he's going to tell you why he ain't no stepping stone this uh this weekend for sean o'malley and then we got the big one we got dc okay we got dc in the damn house okay you can cheer him you can boo him boo me i'm getting money in championship belts what's up yeah what's up with that uh look already one of the best interviews in the game daniel cormier uh this is a really good one and i'm not patting myself on the back i'm patting him yeah, he's media savvy and all that, and he, but he's a genuine dude, and uh, this fight matters to his legacy a lot, and he's going to talk about that, talk about retirement, talk about talking about, okay? We got a lot to discuss. I came at him, inside shots, hot and heavy. Uh, I brought it. I brought the heat, and he was there to, to receive it. He was there to analyze it. He was there to bring it, and uh, fired up about that one. As always, folks, uh, you like this show, Okay. Keep, 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 keep listening. Download, subscribe, tell a friend, five star review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, I don't know, Google something, Where, wherever the heck you're listening to this. Thank you. Keep doing it. Uh, spread the damn word on it. Check out what we got going on on Morning Combat every Monday on Showtime's YouTube channel. Actually, on, on the Morning Combat YouTube channel, uh, brought to you by the nice folks at Showtime. Uh, don't forget there will be a Showtime Championship boxing card this Saturday, as well as David Benavides defends his super middleweight title in that main event. I've got you. I'm coming at you. With interviews with David Benavidez, with heavyweight Otto Valin, who's on the undercard. You may remember he's the guy that roughed up Tyson Fury last year and uh, nearly nearly pulled the damn upset for the heavyweight championship. So uh, check out that boxing pod this week. Uh, check out Luke Thomas and myself Friday showtime. We're going to host the weigh-in show streaming live. So check that out. Check it all out. All right. Check out this podcast as well. Thank you for joining us. The power's back on. Your boy BC coming at you. Hot, heavy. Hard, all those weird things. Wow. All right. Hey, yeah. All right. Hope you're doing well out there, folks. You know the deal, right? I mean, it's it's up to us as a people to start making some changes, okay? Change the way we eat. Change the way we treat each other. This quarantine life, it's wild. So uh, please take care of yourself this week, especially, all right? Check yourself. 
before you wreck yourself. And I'm serious about that. Make make sure you're you're living life correct. Make sure you're taking time for yourself. Make sure you're letting those in your life who you love and respect and need, make sure they know that, all right? Uh, let's keep spreading, you know, uh, positive vibes only, all right? Good vibes only, whatever, whatever. But take care of yourself because it's wild out there. These are un unprecedented times indeed uh in life in the fight game and uh we are though very fired up uh about this weekend's fights uh dc stipe guys this fight matters this fight is as prestigious as it comes and if you look at the first two this trilogy has the potential to be the most competitive we've ever seen in MMA, and I mean that. I mean, you know, the stakes were always high. I know we had Kane and JDS, one, two, and three, and I know they traded wins and then Kane won it, but, you know, that was not nearly as competitive, not not nearly as dramatic and close as this one has been, and uh, it matters for these two legends on Saturday, so I want to see what adjustments can be made. I always count out Stipe, yet can he figure out, uh, as he did in the rematch when he figured out that path to victory through the body shots, can he figure out a new path to victory in this one as they're essentially even money, or is it just more about, hey, DC, Get in the best shape you can be. Wrestle more. Listen to your coaches. We'll get into that today with Daniel Cormier. Uh, or maybe sometimes you just throw the game plans out the window, and it's a blood and guts war. And if it gets there, they're both going to have a shot. But that's going to be the opening, I think, for Stipe. I mean, the uglier this fight gets, the more it's about heart and, and stuff like that. Uh, this is not a knock on Daniel Cormier's heart. He's one of the greatest fighters of all time. But that's Stipe's intangibles. That's his strength, his calling card. Uh He's blue collar, baby. And uh, I think that we will appreciate him more when he's gone. And I know that I've been slow in that appreciation process comparative, but uh, he's one of the best. And I'm fired up for this weekend. Absolutely. And also what this weekend could produce based on the results. John Jones, get your together. I'm waiting for you. I know. Look, I know it's not crazy to think about that. You know, you got to be thinking about that. All right. It's out there, despite what DC says, okay? You're going to hear what DC says about that uh, coming up shortly. So here's what we're going to do, all right? We're going to take a quick pause for the cause. I don't want to waste any more of your time here. Uh, right after this break, we're going to hear from Daniel Cormier, all right? A little word from our friends and sponsors. And then the former Champ Champ is here. DC coming at you. One of the best in the game in terms of just opening up that heart. He's gregarious. He's lovable. He's honest. It's Daniel Cormier. Enjoy. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. D.C. 
the biggest fight. I think they're calling <laughs> it the biggest fight of all time, DC, it, lately in the headlines here. Uh, how the hell are you doing emotionally just a, a little over a week out from this? I'm feeling good, Brian. How you doing, man? Good? Oh, yeah. I'm, strong, fired I'm up, ready. I'm good. All right, let's talk about this. Uh, You're DC, excited. I'm, I'm always excited, okay, first of all. But look, um, th- <laughs> this fight in particular, because of all those super ter- superlatives we mentioned, meaning like, you know, the biggest fight in heavyweight history, maybe th- this will be the enduring trilogy UFC has ever had. This could also be, you know, the fight that decides the... I don't want to say the legacy with one fight, but you get what I'm saying. So much history for two mm-hmm. fighters in one fight, maybe the most I've ever seen. Uh, is Do you have that same feeling? Are you preparing with that in your mind, like we are as fans and journalists ahead of this one? Yeah, you have to. You know, I think when you look at what Steve and I have done in the heavyweight division and in the UFC, you understand that you're fighting for legacy. I've said for a long time, Brian, and if you listen to any interviews going back to eight, ten years, you know, my legacy matters to me. And if I don't prepare with the idea that this fight defines who I am remembered as when I leave mixed martial arts, it will not allow me to leave no stone unturned. So I've prepared as if this will define me. It, you know, all the championship belts and all the victories and all the moments, um, they all have led to this third fight with Stipe Miocic. And I could not be happier to be in this situation uh, with all that's on the line in terms of, of the fight, not only the the title, but the legacy and the chance to be called the greatest heavyweight UFC history. Uh, that, that, that's amazing. All that pressure is, is, is wanted in this camp. So what's interesting to me is I've I've talked to Stipe a bunch, maybe a couple months ago was the most recent time, and he was like, I don't care about history. I don't care if I fight DC again. I don't know if he was posturing publicly at that time uh, for negotiation purposes mm-hmm. or what. But I said, look, you know, could this be MMA's answer to Ali Frazier? And he basically said, I don't care. Do you believe him when he says that? Do you care? I care. You know, I care. I care, I care about this tremendously. You know, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think towards the end of the fight being finalized, there was some frustration on Stipe's side. I don't know why, because every week I have a, I have a show on ESPN every week. So every week you've got to hear me blabbing off about the fight, goading him into fighting. So probably a little frustrated with everything. But I think when he sits back and looks at everything in terms of uh, historical and, and, and meaning of the fight, He's going to appreciate what we meant to each other. You know, being on a losing end of a, a great trilogy uh, will be will suck for him, but it will also um, it will also uh, have raised his profile because the level of fight that we've been involved in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I think Daniel Cormier, I think legend. Obviously, I think. John Jones, your chief rival in your career. Is mm-hmm. there a chance that Stipe Miocic yeah. becomes the chief rival in your career from this trilogy? You know, I believe that I believe that Stipe and I will always be a great rival in mixed martial arts, you know, even after I win the fight next Saturday. But the reality is anything I do in my entire life is going to be hard to top what Jones and I had. You know, I, I think I enjoy this rivalry with Stipe better. 
because I don't dislike him as much as I dislike Jones, and it wasn't as like nasty. Jones, Jones and I like bring out some nasty parts of each other that I'm not sure is just there uh, normally on the surface. But I believe competitively, this is the rivalry that I've loved living in. But I don't know if anything that I will ever do or have done in my career will ever just completely uh, eliminate that part of my, my, my life. You know, it was so big and for so long. I mean, you got to understand this Jones thing that we had. Mm, the press conference was in August, I think, of 2014, where we were supposed to fight initially. And that went all the way to July 2017. So for three straight years, uh, it was always something about Jones and I, right, from the fight to the fights being scheduled multiple times and never happening to the second fight actually happening. Um, and then, you know, what happened happened and him being gone and coming back and me still being the champion. And it was just a whole bunch of stuff for like almost four years. So it's hard to uh, think that anything is going to overtake that. But I do believe that the fight for the heavyweight championship does stand alongside it for sure. All right, DC, we love you as media guys because, well, one, you're kind of one of us, but two, what you said earlier, you <laughs> care about legacy because I can't talk to enough fighters who say all that crap is for you and your nerd friends in the basement having something to talk about. Now, a couple of things here. One, I'm recording this from my basement. Two, I'm a nerd. Three, I care about this stuff. So let's get really nerdy about your legacy because when you beat Stipe the first time, you know, I was like a lot of people who said two things. One, DC has entered the upper room. He is on the, you know, he sits at the mm-hmm. table with GSP, with Silva, with John Jones, with Fedor, with Mighty Mouse, and, and that's it. He is of that ilk. He's in the conversation for the greatest of all time. And I also said the other part of that, which is beating Stipe and becoming a two-division champ was really the only way that you could... Uh, complete your career without beating John Jones, right? Like the only way you could lap that, that mm-hmm. hole in your career. So the reason why I bring this up is this, mm-hmm. when you lost to Stipe, I saw a lot of people go, Hey, DC, great fighter, not in the goat conversation anymore. Could it actually be as simple mm-hmm. as you need to beat Stipe one more time, or you're not at that table? You know, I think, I think, when I won that belt in July of 2018, my legacy was secured. And there's nothing that should change that. You know, the the reality is Anderson Silva now has nine losses. But when he loses to guys like Izzy, who now is the champ, who's phenomenal, um, and he loses to guys like, uh, or he's in a fight like he was with Derek Brunson, that doesn't eliminate all the things that he did in the past. You know, we still got to look back to the times where uh, when Anderson Silva walked in there, it was it was an event. He was the greatest fighter in the world. Um, George St. Pierre, you know, he could come back and he, he fights Habib and he loses. That won't change anything. You know, DJ lost to Henry Cejudo. That doesn't change anything. If it's that simple, then what does it truly matter? You know, you can't you can't you can't revisit things and just change the way that you perceive things. I think all the things that these phenomenal fighters have done should should stand the test of time. And for me, I'm trying to fight this fight for me. You know, I want to win this belt back for me and my family and my team. And if people don't recognize the things that I've done in mixed martial arts right now at this point, there's nothing else to do. Because anytime you're a first, when you can go into a sport like MMA and you're a first at something, when you're a first at something so big, 
you've got to be considered one of the greatest to do it, especially when that first is being the first guy to defend championships in two weight divisions or the first fighter to win championships in two weight classes and defend them both. That's something that's so big that people never even dreamed of. So when you're the first to do that, there's no way people can chip away at your legacy. Yeah, great answer, and please don't listen to any of the nerds when they say stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I've asked you this before, and I want to ask you this one more time. Um, obviously, we can't go back and change history, but had you stayed at heavyweight forever and never went the John Jones road, never became the light heavyweight champ, um, I've often said, you know, you either would be the greatest heavyweight right now without discussion, or maybe it would have come down to you and Kane and it would have been a tie. But if you weren't such a great friend and you never did this for Kane, uh, do you ever sit back at night and wonder, you know, how different at all your legacy would be right now? Whether it would be a slam dunk that you'd be the greatest heavyweight of all time if you had stayed there. I just think that, I just think that when you spoke about sitting at the table earlier with the greatest fighters of all time and being in the conversation, I don't think that happens if I didn't go down to 205 and become a champion and beat everybody, beat everybody else, and beat, go back and become the heavyweight champ. What truly defined me was the fact that I was able to combine them together and do them both and beat guys and beat so many talented guys in, in easy, easier fights and harder fights and big moments and smaller moments. I was able to like withstand all of that. So even though I do believe that I could have had a major amount of success at heavyweight, um, me going to 205 uh, was the best thing for me. And honestly, at the time, like, Kane was the man. And even now, like, I never would have wanted to fight Kane Velasquez. And for a multitude of reasons, right? One, he's my friend, and I love him to death. But two, I'm not sure you can beat Kane Velasquez, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, especially at the time. Like, I don't, I, didn't, I couldn't beat Kane Velasquez. So, like, going to 205 was great for me in terms of uh, giving myself a chance of being a champ. And also, I felt like I was going down into a division with a guy that wasn't as dangerous as Velasquez is. Yeah, that's a fair answer right there. Uh, I know you've seen Rocky Three, and, you know, they had their trilogy, but they did it with no fans, no journalists. They said, ding, ding, and they did it for pride. If you beat Stipe and become the GOAT, maybe Kane sends you a text message and says, Daniel, let's do it in the gym. No, no spectators, because no i got to find out for myself. <laughs> we fight each other enough in the gym. That's enough for me. I know I don't want those problems. Those right. problems are fair enough in sparring. I don't need I know when King Velasquez trying to hit me as hard as he possibly can. I respect, I respect that. All right, enough legacy, enough enough Kane. Let's talk Stipe. Let's talk the third fight. To talk that, you got to go back to the second, though. Um, is it as simple to say two things when you look at what happened in the second fight and you use that to prepare for the third fight? Number one, you abandoned your wrestling. And number two, you may not have had the cardio you would have wanted or, or should have had for that fight. Are either of those true entering this third mm -hmm. fight? I did not have the cardio I needed for that fight. But sadly, you can convince yourself of anything when you're preparing it. Um, but we made a lot of, we made a lot of concessions in that training camp. Uh, back starts feeling a little tight. Let's slow it down. This starts feeling a little tight. Let's slow it down. Like it was always, let's slow it down. Let's be safe. When in reality, if you're fighting for the championship of the world, you can't be safe. You have to be able to go and do everything necessary to prepare yourself. 
And I made a promise to myself before this training camp even started. It was, if I can't prepare as I did to fight Alexander Gustafson back in 2015, John Jones every single time we fought, uh, I'm just not going to fight. And I've been able to prepare myself. And if I hadn't been able to, I wouldn't have fought. So just coming to terms with the idea that you have to be willing to just step away and leave things as it is if you can't prepare yourself uh, the way you're supposed to. Yeah, that, that is very fair right there. Uh, as you prepare in your heart, and I mean, I, I don't like asking this question, but everybody's going to ask you it. Uh, what percentage are you right now that this is the last fight of your career? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, man. I feel, I feel sure about everything. I'm, at, I'm at, I'm at ease with everything. I'm, I feel calm. I feel, I feel happy. I feel complete. You know, and the only thing to finish this journey is to win the heavyweight championship again like i feel good man everything is 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 in place the training has been great i've worked hard i've worked long i just pulled up a video today from april 9th april 9th was when i started running and doing to get myself prepared for this fight and i was i was out of shape i was exhausted and could barely breathe but on april 9th i made a decision that i was going to make sure i was prepared come august 1st because that was supposed to be the date but um, it's August 15th now, and I'm prepared for everything that surrounds the fight. Now, am I ready to do all the theatrics after the fight with the gloves? And, and No, I'm not ready to do all that. I want to go to Vegas to win my championship back. That's it. That's all I want to do. I want to go beat Stephen Miocic, be able to say that I beat him two out of three, and I won the heavyweight title. That's it. For me, that's what matters. Um, the retirement and everything else, it's kind of just a part of the story. But ultimately, it's about the fight, you know? I've got a big future outside of fighting. And for me to start looking too closely at that becomes too uh, valuable a prize to worry about and to focus on whenever you got one of the most dangerous fighters of all time standing across the aisle down from you. Yeah, that, that is very fair to say. Uh, even though if you do win, obviously Uncle Dana will eventually call you with a stupid amount of money and you'll mm-hmm. have to make that decision. Uh, Curtis <laughs> Blades told me he thinks, you know, you'll both retire afterwards. Uh, we'll have to see how the fight goes and we'll see what happens there. But uh, quickly to circle back on that second fight, uh, did you not respect his power enough or is that an overblown way of looking mm. at it? No, you know, I think, I think, I think I just was fighting Stipe a bit emotional. I felt like he was there to be hit. And I just felt like I didn't fight a smooth fight, you know? And that's, that's a hard pill for me to swallow, right? Because I, I, I feel like I have a decent fight IQ. And I know how to go and do things in the way that you're supposed to. But um, I just didn't fight good enough. And I didn't fight hard enough. And, you know, Ryan, sadly, um, I was fatigued. And he went to the body and he hurt me. And those last two shots up top really did uh really did mess me up. So um, I didn't I didn't feel like anything was hurting me until it's too late to realize that it actually is. And uh, I thought he fought a great fight. Uh, the hot take machine spins for people in the journalistic game. You got to be quick. You got to have an absolute statement. And I, I, I'm going to stand by the statement I made after that second fight, and I want to hear your reaction. And I'm no Stipe hater, and I'm no DC super fan, but when I watched that second fight, I said, Stipe didn't win that fight. DC lost it. And I tell you that with respect, Daniel. The competitor within you, do you believe that? I, I do. I, I feel like I let him off the hook. You know, I feel like 
I was winning the fight, the vast majority of the fight. Um, I just went back and looked at the fight, and somehow I had lost a third round, but I landed double the shots in the third round that he did. And I don't know if maybe a team got a takedown in that round for like five seconds. Maybe that's what beat him the round. I don't know what, but like I felt like it should have been 3 0 me going into the fourth round. Um, and I do believe that I'm a better fighter than Stephen Miocic. I feel like I can grapple better, wrestle. And I feel like even in stand-up, like I, I've got a more well-rounded game and I can beat him everywhere. And I intend on planning that on Saturday, proving that on Saturday. I'm not going to allow for him to dictate this fight to me. Yeah, all right. Let me close with this, DC. Always, always a pleasure to talk to you when you imagine what it's going to feel like. You may, who, who knows? If you win, you may retire in the cage. We don't know what's going to happen. Only you do and only you will in that moment. But when you put your head to the pillow at night, what does it feel like? What does it sound like? What What are you going to feel like if you win this trilogy? Well, when I win the fight on, on next Saturday, I'm just going to feel happy. You know, I'm just feel happy that this career has been better than I ever could have envisioned. I could never have dreamt that I would be where I am today in terms of my life, in terms of my legacy and career. I never would have thought that I could be this person, you know. Everybody starts mixed martial arts with a dream. A dream to be the best, to be the UFC champ, and to have Dana wrap the belt around your waist. I lived that dream. And I got to live that dream on so many different occasions. And my life is so much better for all those experiences I had. So I would lay on that pillow and say to myself, like, it, it actually went better than we ever could have thought. When I left Oklahoma in 2009, um, they called me Kung Fu Panda, all my friends did, because I, knew, I didn't know how to strike, I couldn't punch, I, was, I didn't know what I was doing. But I had this dream to go and fight, and then someday uh, fight in the UFC. This was when UFC 200. Um, I never would have thought that 11 years later, I'd be the guy that is at that table, you know, in the conversation for one of the greatest fights of all time. So it's a... Uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's and been a great ride. And to think, people actually booed you at UFC 200. What's wrong with these people, DC? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, UFC 100. UFC 100 was when I was watching Brock Fight Frank Lear and GSP beat Thiago Alves. I was like, man, I want to do this. So, you did it, thought it. You did it. The mountaintop is, to, is, is, is the third Stipe fight. Best of luck. Thank you for the time and being candid as always, sir. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Have a great day. All right, special thanks to DC. Look, I said it, and I'm not tooting. All right, well, I'm, I might be below the bill. I'm not tooting uh, my own horn, but that's a fantastic interview, and that's all credit to Daniel. Uh, you challenge him about the things that matter, and he's going to answer. I love the the honesty. Uh, he cut corners ahead of that second Stipe fight, and it cost him. It cost him in terms of his overconfidence of coming in with his hands down and not worrying about what Stipe's power would do. He stopped listening to his coaches, stopped wrestling, but most importantly was not in five-round championship shape, and it caught up to him. And you got to be your toughest critic to be at the top and to be able to you know, accept that you did that, take that L, as they say, and be able to fix it. And look, all things considered, I gave it to you on the preview pod this week. I think this is Daniel Cormier's fight to win. 100%, 1,000%. Stipe can win it. You make a mistake, Stipe will beat you. But I think category for category, this is Daniel Cormier's fight. This is his rivalry, and it always has been. 
it's up to him to produce and uh, it's up to him not to make a mistake. It's up to him to not gas out because Stipe is going to be there. Those intangibles are rock friggin' solid. But shout out to Daniel. Uh, I respect that he wants this to be his last fight. I also fully respect and expect that that Brinks truck is going to back up. Beep, beep, beep. And Uncle Dana will be driving, and there'll be many a million back there, and it's time to fight John Jones a third time for that heavyweight title if DC wins this weekend. Heck, that same scenario, by the way, could happen to Stipe if he wins. It could also be both retire, as Curtis Blades thought. There's a lot of... uh, Look, the heavyweight division is never deep. It's never deep, but it's hot. It's hot at the moment. We want to see if it's Francis Ngannou's time. We want to see if Curtis Blades is is for real. Um, uh, We want to see if John Jones is moving up, if Gustafson can be a player. A lot of things. A lot of things I want to see, and we don't normally say that about this division. So fired up indeed. And why don't we get uh, maybe the most exciting guy on this entire card? It's Marlon Cheeto Vera. Uh, all right, with respect to Sean O'Malley, no one's more exciting than Sean O'Malley, but uh, they're going to run into each other on Saturday. And here's what's interesting. On paper, you feel like this is a let's shine a tough guy up for O'Malley to look great against in a big spot. And you kind of get those feels and and call flashbacks to Chris Lieben against an incoming Anderson Silva. And, you know, and Andy, I love that fight. I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah, man. And, uh, you know, he beat the piss out of Chris Lieben. And I think we look at Lieben as this flawed, tough guy journeyman. But, man, he was like 5-0 and in the UFC at that point. He was he was a tough ass out with bright potential. And, you know, Silva's an all-time great. He sliced through him like a knife into a hot knife into butter, a hot one, okay? It could be that for Sean O'Malley. This could just be... You know, he's that great, and it doesn't matter at this point who you put in on the, let's say, B level. He's going to slice through the Bs, or maybe he won't. Maybe Marlon Chito Vera, who just had his five-fight win streak snapped in a close but disputed loss to Song Yudong and essentially got rewarded for his strong performance with this fight, maybe he ain't nobody's B fighter. Maybe he's B B plus, A minus. Maybe, you know, and maybe this is that kryptonotic, if you will, test. For Sean O'Malley. That's why I can't wait for it. We're going to hear from Cheeto now. Uh, he's fun. He's engaging. You want to love him. He's a wild man. He's got new tats for this fight. It's Cheeto Vera coming at you. Enjoy. Cheeto, Brian Campbell, CBS Sports. How are you? Hey, what's up, dude? How are you? Good, good. You all ready for me to chat with you now? Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Uh, you know what I'm talking about here? UFC 252 and the big time co-main event. How fired up are you right now? I'm happy, dude. I'm I'm pretty fucking happy. Good spirit time. I cannot wait for this one. It's gonna be a fun one. Uh, I know you saw your opponent, Sugar Sean O'Malley. Put the colors of your Ecuadorian flag in his hair. What do you think about that? Uh, I'm not sure uh, because those colors are the same colors of Venezuela and Colombia. So probably, I don't know. You know, there's no there, there is not the logo type that we have in the middle. So yellow, blue, and red. There's so many countries with the same colors. So I'm going with that. Okay. Why not? Why not? Why not? Um, obviously, this is the biggest fight of your career, the biggest platform of your career. Um, you know, when you look back on the road to get to here, wh- what do you think about? Uh, 
Um, the fight's big, but I, I don't believe it's the biggest fight of my career. Uh, it's a big fight, you know. Uh, every fight's big to me, and I treat every fight the same way because I train, I train as hard for for a newcomer or for a top five. I already, I, I already been there, and you know, I don't, I don't have that excitement that people have lately about social media or stuff like that. Like. I don't fucking care about none of that shit. Like I'm just focused on one thing, and that's to win fights and make money. Uh, the rest is just it just comes by, you know. So a lot of people is like too excited about it. I'm just excited about being competing. I'm excited about being healthy. I'm excited about being just being fighting. To be honest with you, I can respect that. It's usually the fans, the media that get caught up in all the other stuff. So if you're not focused on 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 the negative side or the trash talk inside what do you think about sean o'malley as a fighter as a man entering this one well you know he's a he's a good fighter that, that there's a reason he's undefeated you know uh he of course he's he's good at what he does he's good at at punching people in the right spot he's, he's good at make you make you make mistakes you know but everybody have good and bad so you know I'm, I'm going to treat him the same way I treat my last 10 opponents. Like, you know, every fight that is coming up is the biggest fight of my career. I don't, I, I, I don't give, I don't give a fuck if you have a thousand followers or a million followers. I don't, I'm not a social media person, you know. I don't get caught up in that bullshit, like, you know. So, to me, it's about fucking people up, having highlights, and cash to checks. That's what I'm all about. Uh. Sean O'Malley has a lot of fans. A lot of people like the character of Sean O'Malley, not just the fighter. They think he's funny. They think he's all these things. Do you think he's overrated at all for the attention he gets? Or or, or is he right where he's supposed to be? No, he's right. Good for him, you know. Uh, people, A lot of people is upset about that, but guess what? Everybody that is upset about it is people that don't have attention, that is in need for attention, and, you know, even even fighters in the top five are hating because of that, because they have a shitty name, they're bored, and, you know, good for the guy, you know, the guy, the, the guy, the guy, he's doing a good job on, on everything, on fighting, on marketing, on talking, so good for him, uh, like, I, I wouldn't hate somebody that it's, it's doing that, or get a lot of attention, why would we hate that, you know, that, that would make me hate it, and, I don't get along with haters, you know. Uh, I like I like positive people, people that grind goes forward. So if you got all the attention in the world, again, good for you. That's awesome, you know. How you get attention? Yeah, absolutely. Finishing people. That's what I do. So why, what, like, why, why am I gonna hate on somebody that have all the attention on, in the world? Well, he's not the only one getting attention because every time you fight now and, and people get excited, they go, oh, Cheeto's fighting. This will be a good one. And, man, that five-fight win streak you had really opened up so many people's eyes. And then you fought Song Yudong in May. And, look, a lot of people thought you should have won that. It was the fight of the night. When you fight that well and the fight is close but you don't get the decision, how hard is that to take? You know, it was, I, of course, get upset, you know, fuck the judges, but at the end of the day, there's nothing I can do about it, you know, like, I wouldn't change anything, you know, I won the fight, I broke the guy, I walk him down, I put the pressure, I land more, so, 
you know, the first night, of course, he was very upset. You know, I was, I was, I was upset, you know, but, you know, the next morning I was just like, fuck it. It's life, you know, just let it go. Uh, I'm going forward from there, you know. I cannot have been sitting down, thinking about it, crying, you know. It's done. What is done is done. And to me, it's all about moving forward. And do you see, give me a, a, a bigger, better fight, a comedy event. So, with that say, the UFC is treating me like a winner, you know. That's why Sonja don't, don't even have a fight. Yeah. And I, probably, he probably he don't want to fight. No, broke down. I think you're right on the fact that you got a bigger reward that it almost made it look like you won that fight for sure. Um, you know, you, your pressure is is your calling card. When you fight, you put it on the other guy. From what you've seen out of O'Malley, can he handle the pressure that you bring? I will, I will, I will only know that the day we fight. You know, we all have our thoughts. Both corners are thinking they're going to win, so you only find that fight night. Looking back right now, I did everything I could do. I train hard, I eat well, I sleep well, I rest. You know, I'm not as dumb as, you know, all those fighters testing positive for marijuana. I stopped smoking, you know, two weeks from ago. So I'm I'm doing everything right in my hands. I'm pushing myself. So I couldn't do anything else better in my opinion. So I'm pushing myself. I'm motivated. I'm happy. I'm pushing hard, you know, so Saturday night, I'm going to bring it. What's at stake for you in this fight? Say that again, please. What are you fighting for in this fight? What do you win? If you beat Sean O'Malley, what what does that do to your career? Money. I'm making money. I'm feeding my family. I'm providing for my kids. And I'm, I'm moving forward, and I'm, of course, jumping the, the whole top ten. I'm, I'm, I might be close to top five. Uh, I'm beating a guy that have a bigger name than all the top ten. So I'm going to be I'm gonna pass those guys because they, they can't deny it. It is a, a popularity competition. If you win fights and you're popular, you skip a lot of steps. So if I beat this guy, when I do it, I'm going to be there. So... They better give me somebody in the top 10 or top five. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is the uh, feeling like in Ecuador right now for the excitement for this fight? How how happy are the fans to see you get to this level, pay-per-view, co-main event? It's hot. It's hot, and I like that. I like that pressure. I like that team that people is expecting a lot because I'm expecting even more. You know, the bigger the better for me, you know, like, I don't I, I don't get to the sport. I don't get to, to this game for for pennies. I get this sport for for being all in, for give it all. And I'm sure I'm gonna everything I've been working for in my life is gonna pay off. Uh to be a fighter and to fight with a style like you fight with, you gotta be fearless. Is there anything that Marlon Vera actually is afraid of? I'm I'm afraid of don't perform. I'm afraid of, of being a lazy person. I'm afraid of don't push myself. So that's why I wake up every morning on a mission. I'm afraid of become a fucking loser, somebody that don't have nothing to fight in his life. That's why I find motivation even in in anything. I find motivation in myself. That's nothing. That's something that nobody can teach you. You gotta have it in your heart. You gotta have it in your soul. And I'm happy God gave me those skills. He don't give me probably the best skills in my body, but he gives me the best skills I believe a man can have, and it's a strong mind and a strong heart. 
Um, how much of that strong mind and strong heart is natural or how much of that did you get from experiences in your life? That came from experience. That came from from the daily grind. That came from from just living and trying so hard. And then you find bombs in the road. You find you know you find you make mistakes. You find the wrong people. So it's just it's, it's just the road. You find a lot of things. So I'm um, I'm happy. Uh, I'm able to to live this life, the life I I always been chasing, and 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 I'm happy. You know, I got three beautiful kids. I got a wife at home, and we're a team, you know. We, I work for them. They help me, you know. So, it's, I mean, I'm in good spirits, and I like, I like the life I have. I, I like, I'm happy. So, a happy man is somebody that can achieve anything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when you watch Sean O'Malley fight, the thing that jumps out to me is not just the power, but the speed and how he sets that up. Um, how do you prepare for a guy who's so explosive where he gets people out with one punch? Well, um, you find, you find, uh, you find a sparring partners like that, you know. Uh, I have, uh, two solid guys in the gym, uh, that, one is a it's a it's a it's a pro kickboxer, it's a glory kickboxer, so it's a high level guy. And the other one's an MMA fighter, you know, so I got a little bit of the both things. You got I got the MMA style and I got a kickboxer that set traps all over the place and you know, and we've been training for years, so um so I think uh I think uh, we have the right thing in the camp. I think we have uh everything we need. So I'm right and before, you know, at the end of the day you will never recreate you will never recreate the same exactly upon him but you can adjust and, and, and find the most similar tourists for for what you're getting for yeah that makes a lot of sense um do you think this fight will be on the ground standing what are you expecting i'm just expecting a fight so whatever the fight goes i'm gonna be ready my wrestling is sharp my striking is crispy and my uh my ground is you know killer so Wherever we go, we're going to fight. And I'm bringing cardio strength and a big pair of balls that I'm willing to go deep. <laughs> uh, you fought once in the quarantine so far with no fans. How is it different than normal? Honestly, there's not different, you know. Like, unless you're a person that only get hype and pump with the fans in the crowd. Yeah, yeah, but to me, yeah, it's a... Yeah. It's a it's a fight, so to me, fans, no fans. I'm there to, I'm there to make money. I'm there to. So to me, like the the fans, no fans. You know, I like a crowd arena just because it's good for the UFC. It's good for them. It's good for us. But you know, I also enjoy in the the silence and the and like the the one on one on the fight. You know, you, you you got your corners and he got his corners, and it's more personal. It's more like. You can you can listen and feel more the energy of the fight. So I do enjoy this alone one on one because it actually takes a different demon that brings a normal fight. Because in the normal fight you got the crowd, the cameras, people yelling. You know now it's just one on one. You know now you're not doing it for nobody but for yourself. So you better you better do it right. And I I like that. I I like that being alone and. And I'm feeling that that different pressure, so I enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoy it. 
Any new tattoos for this fight, Marlon? Uh, I got my neck started up, and then I think, I don't know, I haven't worked on my legs. I did this before. My driver is a huge in my whole leg. I think just my neck. What'd you get on your neck? I got a flower. I got to balance it out. I got a, I got a mean gorilla in one side, so I need like, to balance it out with a, with a pretty rose in my <laughs> neck. I love it. I love it. Um, I think the more times that American fans see you fight, they're just going to continue to fall in love with you. And the more times they hear you talk, they're going to be like, man, this guy's a badass. So what are you expecting when that fight is over, UFC 252, that people are going to be saying about Cheeto? You know, I got I to gotta perform first, but I prepare for that. So they're, they're going to they're gonna love the work I put behind and, and they will see. Who's, who's the real one in this fight? So Saturday night, tune in because it's going to be a good one. Yes. Chito, bring those big balls as always, my friend. Thank you for the time. Thank you, brother. All right. Special thanks for Chito Vera there dropping F-bombs. I love that. Uh, I don't know if our guy uh, Mikey Mormal, our all-star super producer, had to uh, get out his block button a few times. But uh, uh, absolutely uh, intoxicating hearing Chito Vera talk. He's not about the social media. He's not about the trash talk. He's about the damn money. Okay, folks? in crushing skulls. He's like that dude. Do you remember Days of Confused, one of the all-time great seminal coming-of-age high school party movies? Remember when uh, the the uh, the guy Clint, the badass greaser looking guy Clint, uh, he made fun of the nerds and the tall nerd played by Adam uh, what, Adam Adam Goldberg, uh, you know, balled up and manned up in that one moment when he was drunk and went after him and punched him, and then you know got sent to absolute hell. Uh, that one great line by Clint of like you know, I only come here to do two things drink some beer and kick some ass. And it looks like we're just about out of beer. I mean, that's legendary. And that's, that's Cheeto Vera. He's coming here for two reasons. All right. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He only goes to that party to fill the keg cup and steal your girl. And, uh, and the kegs tapped. So it's, it's time to get to business. Um, I'm really excited about this fight because you can look next level supernatural superstar as O'Malley has against a certain level of competition. But sometimes when you get to that next level, it levels off a bit. And sometimes you can still pass the test with your skills, but not be as spectacular. I mean, we say it a lot. Conor McGregor was spectacular for most of his career, but he was, you know, he had such a different, unique flair early on in his featherweight rise. Spinny shit galore. He tried wild stuff that you can't do when you climb that ladder and when the odds get get bigger. And, uh, you know, Michael Venom Page and Bellator MVP almost sort of kind of found that out against uh, Doug Lima. So it, it's going to be interesting. Can he be as explosive? Or is he going to have to deal and dig into into his bag of intangibles to try to figure this fight out. Can't wait to see it. It all goes down Saturday. UFC 252 on pay-per-view. You already know the deal, okay? If you haven't checked out the SOC MMA pod with myself, Sugar Rashad Evans, we break it down in painstaking detail. And check out CBS Sports HQ this week before the fight. Fight day after the fight. Rashad and I have you covered there. If you don't know about HQ, it's your free 24-7 streaming network. Throw it up on your phone, smart TV, uh, laptop, whatever. It's cbssports.com uh, slash live or cbssportshq.com 
and you're going to get the live 24-7 news desk all the time, the, the analysis you need across all sports, betting odds, all that good stuff. So check that out. Check me out. Uh, why don't you check yourself, baby? All right? All right? You know what I'm saying? Are you, know, you know where I'm going with that? Because I don't. So uh, shout out to all the people we love. Sugar Rashad, shout out to you, the listener. Okay? You're going to have to deal with a couple things when it comes to BC. I'm a white boy, and I'm jacked. Deal with it. All right. That's it. That's all I got for you. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Uh, follow me at B Campbell CBS on Twitter at Brian C. Campbell on Instagram. And uh, we got big news coming your way about fight audio at CBS, about a lot of big things about to blow up. So uh, keep your ear to the wall. Okay. Remember in college, your, your, your roommate next door was, you know, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, right? You know, sometimes you put your ear to the wall. Okay, do that. This show's blown up, all right? Uh, the other two words I had for you are, we out. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.